Hi, Dan Stein here, president of FAIR. This is a podcast, Detainers Under Threat, and Why You Need to Care. I'm here today with Dale Wilcox, executive director and general counsel of the Immigration Reform Law Institute, and Mike Hethman, counsel with the early as well, as well as Matt O'Brien, who's just come over from USCIS, who is FAIR's director of research, immigration detainers, an extremely important part of the process of removing illegal aliens and in particular criminal aliens who are in custody in state and local prisons. A recent case just came out the other day, Marino versus Napolitano from the Seventh Circuit from the Northern District of Illinois that many believe is the opening wedge in a long-standing attack to try to prevent the removal of even criminal aliens from local prisons. Um, Dale, do you want to tell us about this case and what happened? Uh, basically, what we had here was several individuals who were held beyond the time that uh, they were um, eligible for release in state court. And ICE had issued detainer requests. And a detainer request basically asked the local jurisdiction to hold an alien for 48 hours uh, to give ICE time to get there to pick up the alien. Right. ICE are the Federal Immigration Authority. Correct. Correct. And this federal court um, has halted all detainers uh, against aliens within six states, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Kansas, Missouri, and Wisconsin. So so, so basically contrary to decades and decades of precedent, whereby the feds would just issue detainers routinely, asking local police to hold an alien until the feds could come and pick them up. Suddenly that whole system is being undermined. That's correct. The court has uh, stated that ICE uh, is violating the law by not obtaining a judicial warrant of arrest for the alien and or proving uh, that under federal law the alien is likely to escape before they get to the, uh, to the detention center. So uh, effectively the court has... Uh, by just the the swipe of a pen done away with uh, uh, immigration detainers in those jurisdictions. So, Matt, what's the practical effect of requiring a judicial warrant, which, of course, means going to a judge or a magistrate? From the operational standpoint, what is that going to mean? Well, there's a couple of problems with that approach. Um, The first one is that ICE simply doesn't have enough personnel to be running around and, and filing these things in courts and waiting for a judge to make a decision on them. Well, they're already not picking up criminal aliens enough as it is, right? Well, that that's a policy decision. When I was working with ICE, we, we issued a lot of detainers on a lot of people. And, and what the detainer is, is basically an informal request. I should say it's a formal request. It's not a judicial request from one law enforcement agency to another to hold someone. So if, for instance, the Boston police has someone in custody and the FBI needs them, the FBI would drop the detainer with the Boston Police Department. And as a courtesy, the local law enforcement agency holds the individual who the other agency has an interest in. So right. the assumption is we want to enforce the law. And so there's cooperation between the feds and the state. And so if the feds are asking someone to hold somebody, naturally, the state's going to comply, right? Exactly. That's the way the system works. Exactly. And, and, and the more important factor is there's an assumption that the agency is going to get the uh, determination that they have to make correct. So if you have a warrant already, you're simply going to lodge the warrant and let the judicial process take place. 
But if you're not positive that this person falls in your jurisdiction or there are issues about the person's identity, this ensures the person isn't released into the public to commit more crime while you're trying to figure out your law enforcement tasks. And of course, the other problem with this decision is that warrants for arrest of people that are being deported are not typically judicial warrants. It's a civil warrant that's actually issued by an immigration officer working for immigration. Right. A lot of people don't understand that, that this is not a criminal proceeding. And so the normal criminal processes that would attach don't apply in a civil deportation. As a practical matter, making deportation a criminal procedure would make it so cumbersome and virtually impossible to actually carry out. I mean, you guys agree with that, right? Yes. From a practical standpoint, where do we think this is going to go in the future? I mean, what's the agenda? Mike, do you want to comment on that? Well, it, uh, there are a, a number of underlying technical issues that that this opinion has has brought out, and uh, the question is, you know, will you know, will, will the parties, you know, the government or the or the aliens and their backers, the class of aliens, uh, prevail on all of these questions or only some of them? Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the big underlying issues is. Uh, whether you have to have probable cause, you know, which is a criminal concept, uh, probable cause to believe that the alien has violated civil immigration law in, in order to— And that there are possible flight risks. And, and to detain them, right. And then the second issue is, um, are they a, a flight risk? And uh, so it, it's it's a very technical question, but it— uh, it was driven by the driven by the Fourth Amendment, you know, the protection against unreasonable arrest, and so we have, as at least in my opinion, unfortunately, in a number of cases where the uh, the immigration statutes that the agency has been working on for many years, because of changes in other areas of the law and criminal law, for example, are being exposed to charges that they're. They're not as clear as people thought they were, and in uh, these two areas are particular. And th- this case is disturbing because it's kind of a sort of perfect storm situation where all of the issues have been brought up in one case, and the judge has has basically agreed with one side with all of them. But there's a there is a history of this going back, and some of the problems, at least in my view date back, back from the problem that the use of a detainer is really, in some ways you could say it's kind of a convenience and a resource mechanism to protect scarce resources. You know, you, you request uh, that the, you know, the sheriff out in this county, you know, detain this person rather than, as, as Matt pointed out, you know, issuing what's called a, a, a formal notice to put them in, in deportation or removal proceedings called an NTA. A notice to a notice to appear, or the or the warrant. Because isn't this that during the period during which time federal immigration authorities are trying to ascertain the status of the alien and whether that whether that person would actually be deportable? You're not going to issue the notice to appear unless you've made a determination they're probably deportable first, right? Well, whether they're removable. I mean, remember we're talking about two big different populations. One, the population of. of of illegal aliens that have come into the country um, without ever being inspected, snuck across the border, I guess would be the would be the the, the popular way to describe them. And then you have a an equally large uh, a population of 
aliens who were admitted illegally but then have broken the law in terms of either immigration law or some other things which might set them up to be deported. And these two populations, by law, have to be be treated uh, differently. But I would think that for the for the first group, the you know the the border jumpers, um, issuing an NTA, uh, you know, might be a, a, a much more straightforward proposition. I mean, Matt may have experience that he can talk about that would that would uh, clarify that. But I I I think you know the, the problem is we have these two huge populations with very different sets of complex laws um, applying to them. And uh, we have this very highly organized body of advocacy on the other side pounding away on these test cases. And they finally, just simply by luck of the draw and persistence, been able to get a judge to say, oh, I, you know, all these aliens form a class and I can rule on the entire class of illegal aliens. That's what's disturbing, you know, and. I think Mike, oper- uh, excuse me. I think Mike illustrates one of the uh, operational problems that you encounter in these situations. Uh, people who have entered the country illegally, there isn't any record of their immigration status, so it's not like you can look them up in a database because, by definition, they've evaded the authorities. So you're trying to establish a negative fact. People who have entered, uh, you know, say on a tourist visa or a student visa, and who have overstayed and then uh, violated. You know, criminal law in such a way that they're going to be removed, you can find their records, but if they entered 10, 20 years ago, there's a bit of a search that you have to do. And then the third population is people who are in a legitimate status, and then for whatever reason, they rob a bank, kill someone, sure. so on and so forth. And so ICE isn't simply confronted with a situation where they instantly know that this person is subject to this jurisdiction. It's usually a local law enforcement agency has arrested someone on a criminal charge. Um, that person's either you know, about to finish serving time or for whatever reason, it's not a charge where they're going to be detained prior to a criminal trial. And the local law enforcement agency in the interest of maintaining overall order in the community is trying to ensure that they use whatever tools available to them to make sure that a potentially dangerous criminal is not on the streets. And ICE very clearly has the authority to engage in this type of activity I think this is a very significant case of judicial overreach. Congress has spoken on this. They they put a procedure in place. That procedure has been followed almost universally throughout the country for years. Well, I mean, let's actually take a look at the language of the law. Do we do we have the language of the law here? To because uh, it seems quite clear when Congress laid out the detainer language that it was expected this would be honored. Yes, it's uh, there's there's a pretty sweeping warrantless arrest power that ICE has, and then Dale may be able to comment on the specifics of the case. Yeah, actually, the it's 8 U.S.C. 1357-A2, and it gives um, I, immigration officers the authority to arrest any alien without a warrant if that alien is likely to uh, escape before a warrant can be obtained. And as Matt has stated, in, in many instances, ICE can't move fast enough to get to the jailhouse to pick these folks up. So uh, these uh, detainer requests give ICE the needed time in order to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as Matt stated, a lot of times uh, aliens are, um, who have committed uh, criminal acts are arraigned and then can post bond, and they're gone. They disappear well, back I mean, into the interior. Even, and, and at the risk of maybe we're sounding a little technical here, Americans are dying every day because basically criminal aliens are not being removed properly. And illegal immigrants 
as well, more generally, are also not being removed. This, there are victims and there are consequences to this. So go ahead. Well, even DOJ, DOJ has uh, the court here in this case gave DOJ until uh, yesterday, actually, to ask for a stay of this opinion, the effect of this opinion, until it appeals. Well, DOJ filed a motion um, on the 4th to request for an extension of time because it has to go through uh, many layers of of bureaucracy to decide whether it wants to appeal. It looks likely they will because the brief that accompanied their motion uh, states that uh, their interior enforcement program, PEP, will be irreparably harmed by this decision. Sure, because then there won't be any program. There there will not because already under PEP, they're only picking up uh, individuals who uh, are felons or significant misdemeanors. So they've already pared it down to— I mean, we all know that the ACLU and a battery of associated organizations have been behind this litigation effort for years. But what is the liberty-protected interest, the interest they feel they're trying to vindicate— by bringing these lawsuits challenging the detainer practice, why do they feel it's so important if somebody's here as, a, as an illegal alien or as someone who's now deportable, why do they think it's so important that these detainers be attacked? In my opinion, um, the open border agitator groups who bring these cases do not want anyone removed. That's it. Just Even comes a down. Serial axe murderer. I'm sorry, got, but that's been out there hanging around at ISIS rally. That is, has to be the case. That just it you, comes down to that. Each of you, tell me what, what do you think the agenda is? Yeah, I would. I would uh, uh, be inclined to agree with with Dale. I think there's a, uh, you know, the the larger agenda behind these groups is. Uh, is to uh, eliminate, literally, is is you know sweeping as it sounds distinctions between citizens and non-citizens because they somehow believe that will lead to a better world, and their their grand strategy to do this again is to, uh, as I mentioned earlier, to force the federal government into treating every um, violation of immigration law as a criminal offense knowing full well that you can't afford enforce it. And the class that was certified in this case are not U.S. citizens who would be wrongfully detained or it's, it's unclear. I, I think most people don't understand what would allow a judge to certify a class action based on what kinds of definitions here, because, you know, the aliens who are going to be subject to removal proceedings are people who are having their day in court in a criminal process. They're being tried and convicted. And now they've committed the essential elements of a crime that renders them deportable, right? And it's appropriate for federal authorities to then put them in removal proceedings. So what on earth uh, is mo- – what would, what would, why would this be an agenda? Uh, Matt, you haven't weighed in on what you think is behind all this. I mean, even if you can convince a wrong judge one time and then let's say it does get overturned on appeal, this seems to be an ongoing crusade, right? I mean, what's really the agenda? You agree with Dale? Yeah, completely. I agree with both Dale and Mike. I think that the agenda here is to erase all the distinctions between U.S. citizens and lawful permanent residents and anyone else who wants to be in the country. And it's a deliberate attempt to force this to be treated as a criminal proceeding so that you have all the standard uh, Fourth, Fifth and Sixth Amendment protections, as well as a taxpayer funded attorney. Um, the, The supreme irony in all of this, though, is that this is always set up with a false dichotomy as immigrants versus Americans. 
And the fact is that a lot of these people are committing crimes in immigrant communities and their victims are immigrants. When I was a trial attorney with ICE, as often as not, the victims of these criminals were, were people from their neighborhoods who you know may or may not have been American citizens. It was about a 50-50 shot. So this isn't doing anything to protect any aliens. It's just making the whole community less safe. A part of the reason we're in the situation we're in right now is that uh, DHS and ICE have not been zealous in protecting their prerogatives all the way through. They've continually weakened these programs. One would have thought that, uh, in this case, DOJ, they would have perhaps enlisted the support of local police agencies and sheriff's organizations to uh, send friend-of-the-court briefs. Maybe the judge could be could have been cajoled into you know hearing some more expert testimony on the probable impact. Um, do we know if the government's going to appeal? Do we have any sense of when we will know? The government's asked for an extension of time to make that decision until October twenty first. So um, we we will we'll see what the court rules on their extension. Their deadline to let the court know was yesterday. If uh, they were going to request a stay. Um, uh, but as I stated, they asked for an extension of time. So October 21st, we'll know. It sounds like from their brief that um, um, they're leaning toward appeal because they actually state in their brief, which was somewhat shocking for me to hear, that uh, this this uh, order irreparably harms what interior enforcement is left. So they seem to be concerned. Um, and, and, and let me state, um, this is a coordinated effort. This is not the only case. There's a case currently out in the Central District of uh, California, and um, it's been brought against uh, uh, L.A. County and uh, L.A. County Sheriff, and it's making the same allegations, and it has also requested class certification. And the court has just certified class. So this is a coordinated effort. What they've done here in this Moreno case, the two individual plaintiffs that brought this case, uh, in the end, happened not to be removable. Okay, so you would think, oops, mistake. Um, um, The class would only be as broad as these two individuals. But then the court went ahead and said, no, 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 we're going to expand this, not to individuals who are wrongly detained or detained under incorrect information, we're going to expand this to all detainers, all illegal aliens, all criminals. And the court didn't need to do that. No, I mean, there's no basis for it. because They don't really have common essential Ex- facts. Exactly. Yes. Well, we'll know more about this in the future. But detainers under attack and why you need to care. This is an important issue. Dale Wilcox, Mike Hethman, Matt O'Brien, I want to thank you for joining me. And... We'll keep track of this on our website, and I'm sure as well on the website of the Immigration Reform Law Institute, uh, IRLI.org. Thank you both, all of you. Thank you. Thanks.